0: One reason I do like Christmas series is because Christmas series are uh, full of, of of just teaching about Jesus and who He is, and so it's really a month to focus on Jesus. And what I'm going to be doing uh, this uh, uh, starting this Sunday is that we're doing a series, a Christmas series, on who Jesus is. And uh, for for example, for this Sunday, it's the mystery. Jesus. We're going to go into the miracle, hopefully next week, Lord willing, the marvel and the majesty. And so uh, we are going to really hit and focus on Jesus here uh, this month. And with I'm going to start off with Jesus, the mystery. And the mystery that I'm referring to is the incarnation. And that's just a big word. All it means is that when Jesus left heaven, it's such a mystery, how did God leave heaven and come to earth? But we need to know that this is so unusual. And uh, in fact, it's a doctrine of our faith that no other religion in the world has. It's one of the distinctives that makes Christianity difference. Is that God would even think of leaving the comforts of heaven and come to earth to humble himself, to live a human life. And so, I'm excited about what we're going getting into today. And I want us to start by looking in John chapter 1. And this chapter, let's pray for us before we get into this chapter. Father, we're asking for your anointing, your blessing on your word. Uh, we're asking that our ears to be open and that you would enlighten us to who you really are. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So as you heard me do the baptisms just uh, a little bit ago, I used this phrase baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And that is uh, one place in Scripture that references the Trinity. The Trinity is a term that theologians use. And you're a theologian, by the way. If you read the Bible and ask God to teach you as you read the Bible, you're just studying God. You're studying who God is, so you're a theologian. And that's just a word that describes there's three persons in one that make up a perfect... uh, uh, unified three persons, our God. So our God is perfectly unified in these uh, three unique persons, the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And so what we're talking about today is that second person of the Trinity left heaven and came to earth. There's nothing like it, uh, as I said early, Hinduism, Buddhism, um, uh, Islam, Nothing is like that in the world. And yet, it is the act of God in order for us to be connected with Him. He had to come down first. He had to come down first. He had to come to us and pursue us. And that's a powerful kind of love. In the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew and Luke give details that we love to read this month and of Mary and Joseph and the star of Bethlehem and the virgin birth. And again, Lord willing, next uh, week we'll get into the virgin birth and that miracle. But what is happening here is that in this gospel of John, he goes into just the big picture of what the incarnation is, what the mystery is. And he actually puts it in words that are anointed of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit to help us understand because actually, there's nothing that's ever happened in the incarnation on the earth. There's, it, it never happened before, uh, Jesus. It never happened since then. There's no animal example. There's no example of this. And so our finite mind you know, really doesn't have the ability to explain it and put it in words. But our spirit can understand. And our spirit can receive from heaven what God wants us to understand about this mystery of Jesus coming to earth. And so John helps us with that, and I've just picked a few verses. I want to encourage you to read the whole chapter uh, this week as you want to go deeper into this about the incarnation. So verse 1 through 3 of John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so John is actually putting the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, and titling him The Word, with capital W, The Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So there is this distinctness of three persons, but then there is this oneness and unity. Verse 2, He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. And so there is a complete reliance of all creation. You and me have a total reliance on who Jesus is, the Word. That we have this, you know, we couldn't have existed without all of creation coming through Him. Because uh, from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Now, skip to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as of the, the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. So that's what it says, this, this word that actually the truth of the universe, the word in heaven, came and dwelt among us, became flesh, this mystery of incarnation, and dwelt among and lived our life and yet his glory could be seen through him and a key to this glory is this perfect combination of grace and truth so many times we have struggled with that and we might be gracious and loving and kind and merciful and we may compromise truth no we are to have a live and speak and stand for truth and yet have this combination this joining of Grace and love in us. Jesus is the perfect combination, the fullness of grace and truth. And yet, he must live a human life, even be tempted like us in every way, yet without sin. It says in Hebrews 4 15, I'll just read it to you. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. No, he can but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. So again, a God who left heaven, who is tempted in every way. So if you think I'm alone, God doesn't understand, He does. He was tempted with that temptation as well. That selfishness, that greed, that lust, that uh, perversion, that um, anger and rage. Jesus was tempted with all those things as well. And he does understand. And he lived a human life. You're not alone in what you're going through. Now, I want to jump into some scriptures about baptism. The reason is, as I was looking at this series and you and the aren't uh, getting ready for the incarnation, I've realized in a deeper way that water baptism is an example of his human journey he had to take as well, and that water baptism is an example of his incarnation, him becoming the world and dwelting among us in his flesh. And so baptism is actually a part of the incarnation. See, he had a journey to live out, and we have a spiritual journey to live out. And he chose to live a human life. In Matthew chapter 3, I'm going to refer to this story and uh, read uh, verses uh, 15 or so, but let me just tell you what's happening right here. John the Baptist, who was uh, sent to baptize people, a cleansing baptism, to prepare the way for the Lord to come, uh, was at the Jordan River. In fact, these baptisms we saw today are more modeled after a John the Baptist baptism uh, than a first baptism that we would see, let's say, in the book of Acts, when someone would first give their hearts to Christ and then get water baptized. And where John the Baptist was speaking, uh, speaking to people who believed in God, And he was instructing them, listen, you need to get cleansing. You need to turn from these sins. And he would point him out. He was very direct. And they came by the thousands to have a rededication and cleansing of their sins. And that's the move of God that was necessary for the next big move of God. And that was Jesus who came uh, soon after. And so here we are. Jesus is 30 years old. He hadn't started his ministry yet. And John the Baptist is baptizing hundreds in the Jordan River. And Jesus comes to him and must have been approaching the water to come on down, not as a spectator, but actually to participate and to be water baptized by John. And John tried to uh, prevent him. He said, no, no, I have need to be baptized by you. Now, why do you come to me? And Jesus said in verse 15 of Matthew 3, But Jesus answering said to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. So he said this, I know it, I know it's backwards. I'm the Messiah, I'm the sent one. You're a messenger to prepare. I know, John, you're right. But I'm humbling myself and live the human life, the human journey... Humbling myself to be baptized like all these other people and like those who will be called after me will get water baptized. I must live a human life. And so it was quite a moment. uh, Because when Jesus went into the water, the Trinity shows up. And we really don't have that in other places in Scripture where we see the dove of the Holy Spirit come down above him. And then the people actually heard a voice from heaven, the Father's voice, said, This is my Son whom I love. In him I am well pleased. So they got to see uh, the Trinity and experience the Trinity in one moment all manifesting themselves in that baptism. What a kiss from heaven on his obedience to the human journey. So we find. When he is now ascending. He's, he, he died on the cross. He lived a human life. Right? He, he uh, was a carpenter. And had to earn money. And sweat and toil. As through his younger man years. And then his ministry began. And he suffered. He lost his father. Joseph. We don't have any record of him. He knew loss. He understand loss there. He lived a human life, and then he went into more intense suffering when uh, uh, he was uh, whipped and put a crown of thorns on his head. He went through that level of the greatest levels of suffering, though innocent, didn't deserve it all. Many uh, of us in this room and online, you know what it's like to suffer for something you don't deserve, being a victim, being abused. Uh, as a child or as a spouse, you don't deserve it and you're, you're abused. He he was abused by his, his the governmental authorities. He was abused by people he served and loved. And that's what he got back was betrayal and crucifixion. He lived a human life. Even to the point of death. Now, he didn't die because of his own sin. We know the Bible If you haven't seen it, it's a very powerful statement in the Bible that the wages of sin is death. The results of sin is death. But it wasn't his sin that caused his death. It was your sin, John, Gary, Jody. It was my sin on Jesus. He took our sin and he died a human death not because of his sin but our sin bible uh calls him the son of god it also calls him the son of man many people shorten that to say he was the god man he was both uh the son of god and the son of man at the same time and so here we have at his ascension in matthew 28 he he's been he's raised from the dead He's been appearing to disciples, and now he's going to be ascending and going to heaven. And he says this in verse eight, uh, Matthew 28, verses 18, 18 through 20. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so he gives specifics, instructions as he's leaving. His last words, his feet were touching the earth, and uh, he's leaving and he's speaking this. It says he blesses them, it says, as he's ascending. And these are his last words. So he's charging us to baptize people and to teach them uh, to make, make them followers of Christ and, observe, and to teach them to observe all that he commanded. Well, the disciples were good on this because early in the books of, book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit came upon the church and he is, uh, the, the Holy Spirit is coming onto them and these flames of, of tongues of fire is coming on them, and all it just all the noise of the rushing wind and the speaking in tongues just they, they got they heard their uh, God exalted in their own language. All these people gathered around it was crowded in Jerusalem at the time because it was feast time, and Peter preaches his first sermon. And verse thirty-seven through thirty-nine of Acts chapter two says this. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Lord, may your spirit pierce hearts. Our hearts first. But those who don't know you yet, Lord, pierce their hearts. This is is beyond... Uh, Figuring out in our head, even though go ahead, God gave you mine, try to figure it out. You know, work on that. But God is in the end, has got to get to our hearts or to the person's heart that we're sharing the love of Christ with and we're witnessing to and we're praying for. The heart must be pierced by the Spirit of God. And they say, What shall we do? They're coming, they're asking Peter, What shall we do? What's next? What's the next step? In verse 38, Peter said to them, Repent, each of you, by, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And so Peter gives this, these next steps to them. It's a spiritual journey. It's a, it's a journey that we all must take. A spiritual journey that includes, number one, that we repent for salvation. We take a turnaround and we get baptized in water. And we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that gift can then even overflow and be a fullness in the baptism of the Holy Spirit where there's ministry gifts and the gifts of the Spirit uh, for your life. So this is a spiritual journey and, and Jesus... Uh, Did that water baptism piece so we wouldn't be able to have an excuse, oh, you know, it's just not that important. It's by faith that we are saved, and it's true. It's true. It's by faith you are saved. And if you give your heart to Christ, repent of your sin for salvation, you never get water baptized, I believe that you go to heaven. But it is in God's design, both in the model of the life, the human life of Jesus, and by his instruction, when he ascended, he said, uh, make disciples, baptizing them, and it was then modeled by the New Testament church that this is what you do next. You repent and for salvation, then you get water baptized. So I'm telling everybody who's here that if the, there's many theologians call it this a believer's baptism, the first baptism after you've given your heart to Jesus, you've Turn from your sin, you've turned to God, is a believer's baptism. And I'm speaking to everybody here and online that if you have uh, stepped into a relationship with Jesus Christ and you still haven't been water baptized, then I want to tell you, it is God's design. This is part of your spiritual journey. And you want to obey God's design of your life. You want to obey Him and you want to do this. You want to cut the excuses, whatever, and they're probably good ones. I know it's been, uh, in this church, uh, a young woman uh, wanted to be baptized, but she had a fear of water, and that was one reason she was struggling with uh, getting water baptized, and she stepped through that fear and said, I'm going to obey Jesus. This is something God wants me to do. I'm going to do it. And she went in obedience to the promptings of her heart, even though she was having some delays, having some second thoughts. So proud of her. One reason that it's called a believer's baptism is because maybe for practical reasons, maybe for whatever reasons, over time, certain church denominations had infant baptism. Presbyterians, methodists you may experience that. I did. I grew up Presbyterian. So I was... Infant baptized, not dunk. They don't do that to babies. And, uh, but they sprinkle water over the head when you're just a little baby. And so that baby is not making a choice themselves, are they? This is something the family is choosing for them. And that's our prayers and that's what we you know, trust in God that our whole household will be saved. And so there's really, you know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it per se. What we do is baby dedications, uh, and we, as a spiritual family, join parents when their children or babies are young, and we join prayers with them and say, we dedicate this child to the Lord for uh, His glory, for Him to be used. But a the model of the New Testament, it's a believer's baptism. It's a choice that they make. That's part of the journey as we... Uh, as parents, and you have young children, you see the Holy Spirit working on your child and drawing them, and answering prayers, and and so forth. And you're looking for a good a good time to go ahead when they initiate uh, salvation, and then they after that they initiate water baptism, and say. Have they really walked with the Lord yet? Is this, you know, and you're discerning these things. You're looking for these steps uh, of a pattern of, yes, between my child and the Lord, the Holy Spirit is working without me. And they're pursuing and they're initiating with their own heart of, yes, I am growing closer to Jesus. I want to be saved. And then, again, in that spiritual journey and to be baptized. But I want to encourage you. That if again, if you haven't experienced a believer's baptism to pray about it this week, in fact, pray about it right now. my shirt's already wet i'll do some more baptisms after church, after church today we've got a few extra towels you can wrap up and take take that towel home and bring it back i've already been uh, felt I just need to keep this. Uh, water in the baptistry for another week, for next Sunday. So you contact me this week by email, whatever. Just talk to me. I'll be down here after church and say, yes, I I believe God wants me to be water baptized. I want to obey the spiritual journey God set up. Jesus modeled it. I want to do it too. Well, you know, I, if I just... Um, uh you know I, I again i prayed the prayer of salvation i repented my sins so i'm going to heaven right pastor steven I, I do i believe you're going to heaven well i know but you know so i really don't have to do it i want to tell you that in john 14:15, it says if you jesus says if you love me you will keep my commandments and i believe water baptism is one of his commandments that when you love him you want to serve him you want to obey him and so there is this good, there's going to be this little gnawing by the spirit of god built going inside that i want you to do this i want you to do this because i want you to obey my commandments you know that principle's that principle is in all relationships if you love me jesus said you will keep my commandments that's just love in action right oh i loved you jesus i love that worship board i that love the song this morning yeah mm, it's so good but then you live a different life not following christ jesus going hey some nice words but i'm looking for the real thing i'm looking for the action i'm looking for you to submit your heart and an attitudes to the lord and 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 during the week seven days a week not just for church time I mean, hey, if, if uh, a father says to his son, oh, I love you, son, uh, and, uh, and I love you so much, but he never spends any time with his son, only for himself and what he is desiring in, in his own life, that selfishness comes through and the son forgets, doesn't listen to the father's words anymore. You can have a great wedding ceremony and spend thousands of dollars and it's so awesome and and man, this is great, what a great wedding, and oh, it was so beautiful and everything. But if that man doesn't continue to serve and love that wife through his actions day in and day out, that wedding ceremony is null and void. That bride is still looking for love through action and attitude. So I want to tell you that water baptism, according from what I understand in Scripture, is an act of of obedience to God's Word. So, as I said, I was infant baptized, and uh, I didn't give my heart fully. Uh, I prayed a salvation prayer at seven years old, and it was at a Billy Graham movie. I believe that was a real uh, encounter with the Lord where I initiated uh, to the, could go to the altar by myself, and I wanted... Uh, and, and wanted salvation, and, but I really wasn't discipled and through the teen years didn't stay focused on the Lord and was in now a freshman in college at a Christian university, or Roberts University, and the chaplain of the school that year, uh, that first year of my freshman year, offered a water baptism service for students. And it was going to be in the, the gym pool and you didn't just get dunked once it was you were dunked three times in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit and so i was like i'm there i raised my hand signed up for that thing because i wanted to experience and follow god's spiritual journey that i believers baptism it was my choice i wanted to serve god and i wanted to be there and it was a powerful experience for me spiritually Baptism is a powerful statement. It is in early church, often done in the city square in the village square, and they would have uh, a, a, you know some kind of you know build up the water there so that it wasn 't done at home in secret it wasn 't done in some secret uh, worship center a pl- place of worship. It was done out in public because what you 're saying is it 's just like the uh, what what you see in the water, it's a little skit. It's a little dramatation. I'm sitting here and I'm in the water and I'm going down. I'm going back or forward, whichever direction you go. And you're going underwater. I am going to be buried where the old man Stephen is going to be buried and done with. And I'm going to come out a new man, a new person. And that's the symbolism. And God must like drama because He likes us to do it and that, that's why uh, immersion of being uh, underwater totally is, is, a, is, is a church history important detail whenever you can. Now, if you live on the North Pole, I'm not sure how you do that. Sprinkling might be the way to go there. So I want us to—I want to. So I'm putting that out there to you and those online. That if you have salvation in Christ through your pursuing Christ and you haven't been water baptized, please let me know. Let's do it this afternoon, this after church, or uh, next Sunday. But I also want to say that I believe what we're seeing here with these three ladies is a genuine work of the Spirit. And so I really want to open up this baptism next Sunday, uh, even this Sunday, if we've got enough towels in the room here, to open that up for you. If you're led in your spirit, you're drawn to this renewal, consecration, being set apart for water baptism. I don't want to, I don't want to hold that back. I want to open that door. Three weeks ago, and I want to um, kind of revisit one of the unique altar ministry times that we had here uh, when Buddy Berry ministered, I believe it was the breakthrough that I had been longing for, for us as a church body. And one of the things that I believe God was doing here uh, was repentance, And that's really what Buddy's message was. In fact, if you go with me to uh, Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, this Revelation chapter 2 is is an amazing chapter. Jesus Christ has appeared in his glorified, resurrected uh, being uh, to the Apostle John in this kind of like vision. And Jesus has a message for different churches, seven of them, and this is the first one. And he has things that he wants them to be transformed as a church, things to change, things to get right with God in each one of these churches. He speaks truthfully, and in fact, he actually tells... Uh, the Ephesus church of uh, Revelation 2, starting at verse 1, he tells them, listen, I I see that you have done, you know, good things. You have done, I, I think I counted six different things that they had done that were right. But he says, I have this thing against you. I'm looking for that scripture here. I might have to get my Bible. Sorry. So we list these good things about them. But then in verse 4 it says this. But I have this against you that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first, or else I'm coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Yet this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nickelodeons, which I also hate. I just want to be honest with you. There were several things recently, including that Sunday morning, three weeks ago, that I've been repenting of. One of them, and I'm really speaking to you uh, young adults in the room and parents of teenagers. If you remember Buddy's message, it was three E's. That our expectation plus our efforts would equal our God experiences. In his repentance... Through this message was building and building to where he's saying, I'm not, I don't have the expectation and I'm not doing the efforts that I once did. And God has pierced my heart in a sense. And I'm repenting. And I want to say there's several areas and I want to mention a couple of them right now. That I was convicted that though I've been in youth ministry many years here at Living Waters in Pennsylvania, and though as a lead pastor we have been looking for a part-time student minister now for several years and making some efforts there, God convicted me that my effort and my expectation was not the top priority where He wanted it so I say to you young people and the parents of young people, please forgive me. That I did not have the heart of God at the level that he had it. And I sense that we are at a place right now as a church family. That we are in agreement. We're in unity. That family ministry is one of the priorities, but right now it's a top priority for our spiritual family, our student ministry, must become fruitful and effective in discipleship. This offering that came in tells me both the leadership and the body of believers, we are in unity and agreement. And you know, when you get in one mind and one focus in the will of God, God blesses that unity. So I am fully expectant of God's blessing in student and family ministry. Another thing was, that God convicted me that my expectation of God's power transforming lives was not where he wanted it. And I was convicted, Lord, you can can touch a a middle school, you can touch a high school, a college age, a a 50-year-old, 7-year-old. It doesn't matter, Lord. It doesn't matter what generation. Your power transcends. It goes beyond generation. And you want to touch and transform hearts and lives again. In this passage, I was hearing at the altar that three Sundays ago a lot of tears and a lot of repentance. And I believe that God was hearing our turnaround, our repentance from whatever you know habits we formed, distractions that got into our life, and we want to go back to some early days in our life hearts and our minds, maybe when we first gave a life to Christ, maybe when we first filled with the Holy Spirit, and he is saying, do those first things again. Capture that first love again. I believe that is what the themes I'm hearing in these water baptisms that we heard, and those testimonies. I'm going to ask the praise team to go ahead and come up here. And I am going to um, also ask the altar ministry teams to get in place. But I'm going to do something a little different uh, for uh, Judy and Nancy and Dolores. Would you mind, ladies, come down here? And I want to flip it a little bit. I know I wanted you three to get prayers from people. But I also... Want you to pray for people. And so would Nancy and Judy and Dolores come down here? I'm going to come over here. Because if you uh want to be water baptized today or next Sunday, then I want you to come up and I want you to tell me. I want to tell me I want you to tell me why. What's the Holy Spirit doing? I want to get a sense, is this a First time baptism, or is this a renewal baptism like we saw today, and I want us to go ahead and follow through and get you uh, set up for that, so as everyone else prays and worships i'm not i 'm going to dismiss you here soon, but let's everybody just seek God and ask him, Lord, how do you want me to turn? How do you want me to repent to you and turn to some uh, fresh to turn to something that's of your first love or some uh, early days of my walk with you. Why don't you share your um, testimony real quick? And then um, uh, Lori's got something here to share.
1: So I was baptized at the age of nine um, through uh, some Baptist gentlemen that would come to our neighborhood and just spend some time with us, play with us, and minister to us. And at the time that um, I got baptized, with the heart of a child, I meant it. Um, But in hindsight, I realized that I didn't fully understand um, what that meant. Um, Judy earlier today said it. Uh, very eloquently, you know, a whole life happened after that. And that's exactly what happened to me too. A whole life happened after that. And for years now, I've been wanting to get baptized, but I was scared to say anything because I found it silly. So I just... I'm thankful to the Lord for the opportunity that is being open right now, and I'm thankful to the ladies here that were brave enough to say what was in their hearts. and um, And I want to encourage anybody who wants to get rebaptized and have maybe, like me, found it silly to say so or something, you know, similar to that. I just want to encourage people because we all come to the Lord in different um, settings and backgrounds and circumstances and um, God is a God of new beginnings so
0: You said you grew up in a Catholic family and you were, you were sprinkled as an infant
1: Infant um, but if anybody has a, back, a Catholic background here, um, I had no relationship with the Lord. It was just very uh, ritualized, and I didn't understand anything I was doing. But at the age of nine, um, Baptist um, deacons would come to our neighborhood, and they did speak to me about the Lord, and I did understand it. Um and I meant my baptism but I meant it with a child's heart still not uh, fully grasping the relationship concept however horrible things did happen to me afterward Um, many of you don't know but my mother got ill with schizophrenia when I was um, 11 and as a result I was homeless for 2 years and I believe my action at the age of nine gave me covering. And so I don't want to discourage anybody at any age that wants to be baptized if God um, moves them in that direction, because there is a blessing in action. Um, But I do want to uh, encourage anybody who... has it in their heart to get water um, baptized over again because, well, like Judy said, a whole life happens, you know, and circumstances are different for everybody. And I want to encourage that.
0: Well, we believe your renewal baptism is going to do a cleansing and a renewal over you. Lord, thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity. I, I, I want to say that this is something for you to pray about. Don't feel, you know, you're, I don't know what your story is about your baptism, what age you were. It's really between you and the Lord. But these are things that are real that are happening in people's heart. Um, Lord, come and share with, uh, something that, that the Lord showed you at our prayer meeting on open wells a few weeks ago.
2: So, a few weeks ago um, at the Open Wells, the Lord did give me a vision. Um, I wasn't to share it then, though, and so I grabbed my notebook this morning. I don't always grab it, but I did, and, and I just felt them saying, now's the time. Um, but during the Open the Wells um, on that Friday night service, um, I heard the Lord say, it's the same theme I keep hearing over and over, um, that we need to return to our first love, put our idols down. Um, And it was very clear that our idols are anything that get in the way of our vertical view of Him. They can be anything, not necessarily something that is bad or horrible, but anything um, that we spend more time on than we do with Him. Um, I also saw a vision. It looked like a picture, and they were multiple candlesticks. There were no candles on them. Um, And they were painted white but the paint was starting to wear off, and you could see the wood underneath. And so, again, you know, I I believe he was saying we need to, you know, examine ourselves, me, but other people too, um, and, and figure out what those idols are, allow them to reveal it to you, and set them down, set them down, and just make sure you have that vertical view from here to heaven
0: going to ask you to pray for us. not again explain the candles again could you say it again i didn't quite capture that
2: sure i saw multiple candlesticks i'm not sure exactly how many um, but they were made of wood they were painted white but the paint was starting the white paint was starting to wear off and the wood underneath was starting to show um, there was just like a dark background but no candles were on the candlesticks and it didn't dawn on me at the time but i mentioned it to somebody else and they said were there candles and i'm like no there weren't there were
0: candlesticks with no candles. So, so do you think the interpretation of that is God wants us to get lit again and get candles back in the candlesticks? And so that's that's what that is representing. Okay, can you pray for us? And I'm I'm gonna, uh, you know, if that if that's speaking to you, well, I mean, it's speaking to me. Whoa, come on, Lord, hmm. you just you just. Get rid of idols there, come down here, come to one of these to get prayed for. I mean, just just follow the the pulling of the Lord right now. This is this is a cleansing time. This is a this is something that is for us right now. Go ahead and
2: Lord, we just we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your word, Lord, and that you're still alive today and you speak to us. I pray that you would give us ears to hear um, all the messages that we're we're hearing, that it would really just penetrate our hearts, Lord. Soften our hearts and help us to put aside those things that are getting in our way of our relationship with you, Jesus. Um, Whatever those are, reveal them to us, Lord. Just open our spiritual eyes and set us free in Jesus' name.
0: Yes, Lord, we want cleansing lord we want to have the obedience to get rid of the idols that you're pointing out to us right now we want to put them aside and be restored to you to our first love that you're more important our top priority you're, you're more important than anything else I want us to say a prayer for um, uh, widows and widowers and um I just believe there's a ministry there of the Holy Spirit this time for you, be it at your seat or if you want to come up to someone and receive prayer. Lord God, there is a a restoration of heart for widows and widowers. Lord, that, yes, the grieving in the morning season is real, but, Lord, you know how to turn mourning into joy. You know how to turn the tears, into, into, Lord, dancing again. And so, Lord, that, that is something. That's a restoring work. That's who you are. That's what you do is restore souls. You're good at that, to restore our souls. So we pray that especially for widows and widowers today. Yes, Father. I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and worship some more. You are blessed to have a great week. The Lord is with you. Again, get with me if you want to be water baptized, and let's discuss that and plan for that. Love you. Feel free to stay and receive more from the Lord, either through the worship or in prayer here. We're available for you.